Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to our special guest, Brittany Berger. Brittany, who describes herself as a content marketing unicorn who specializes in designing and executing content marketing for startups and small businesses, she's one of the most amazing marketers that I know of. And today, we will get an insider's view of some of her top content marketing tools. We will also discuss the importance of content marketing tools and repurposing content. Tune in as Brittany uncovers her coveted strategies here on the podcast. All right, everybody. Hey, what's going on? I wanted to thank everybody for uh, plugging in today. We've got Brittany Berger here. I used to work at mention.com. In fact, I'll kind of let her give her little bio and what she's doing these days and what she's been up to. Sounds good. Like Shane said, I am Brittany Berger, brittanyberger.com, and also soon to be founder of workbrighter.co. And after about eight years working in B2B content marketing for different startups, uh, very much in the marketing for marketers space, I decided to kind of, I was so inspired by all of the different entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial people around me that I decided to become one myself. And so about a year ago, a little bit over, a little bit more than a year ago now, I went out on my own and I started building a freelance career as a consultant, as well as my own community, all about focusing on, you know, kind of building my ideal career. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us, so where are you living at now? Where are you located? I am in New York City, oh, Upper East Side. Big city of dreams, huh? I heard about that. Oh, good deal. <laughs> and so you, when you worked at Mention, were you, were you just remote? Part of the time. I started off working in the New York office. It was in a side of a co-working mm-hmm. space. It grew from like two to 10 people in the time that I was there. Yeah. The New York team really grew. Uh, but they're also really flexible and really awesome. And so when I had some health problems, I actually started working remotely. Oh, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so how long have you been in New York City for? I've been here about three and a half, maybe four and a half, maybe. Oh, I don't. It's Friday afternoon. I cannot math. Right, right. That's too funny. See, I do the same thing. Like, I'll give you a great, a funny little story. So I was, this was a long, a little while ago, but my wife, I used to have an office at my house. Well, I still do, but I, I, I usually do now at my office here in Sacramento. But, and so what I would do is I would have these things. And so in the beginning, I always tell people, oh, I've been doing marketing for like 12 years. And I, that was my thing. I would always tell people that. And finally, my wife one day was like, why are you telling everybody 12 years? And I'm like, well, because it's been 12 years. And she goes, it's been 20 years. And I'm like you terrible with math. Like, mar- yeah, like, yeah. And I've been sa- I was I was like literally selling 12 years. And she goes, you're like kind of underselling the whole, like you've been doing this for a while thing by saying 12. And I'm just in the same thing. My brother just got married like a few weeks ago. For me, in my mind, he's still like 22 or 23, but he's like 36. So anyways, maybe that's, maybe that's something. Maybe with the really good content marketers that we, you know, starts to eat away the other part of our brain where we have to count. So I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm telling you, I have the same, same thing of like, no, I, I did that two weeks ago. And they're like, no, it's two years ago. And I'm like, that's what I meant. Two weeks and two years ago. That's what I meant to put those together. I just did the opposite. I do month, I do weeks first. And then I talk about years right after that. So. Yeah. And just time goes fast when you're doing lots of things, especially when they're exciting. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm going to use. I liked it. That's a good answer. It's like, listen, I've got so much great stuff going on that I'm literally in a time warp and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Yeah. I feel like if you're busy with the wrong stuff, time seems to crawl on so slowly. But if you're busy with the right stuff, it goes by really fast. Oh, that's a selling point right there. That's You, want, you know why you don't work with me? Because I'm literally on a jet plane and I won't realize the time. Uh, make sure you pay your invoices on time. We care about that. But up until that point, we're going to go on a journey this way. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. So you're in New York, this big city of dreams. 
you have any pets? Anything anything fun like that? You have pets, animals, a hamster? <laughs> no pets for me. We do have a dog at my parents' house. Uh, they've always had a dog since I was little. So he's fun. He's he's my bro. He's my virtual assistant when I'm there. Um, so yeah, he's part of the B-Bird business team, but yeah. not living with me. Gotcha. And so what's, what's the little one's name? Dylan. Like Dylan, Texas from Friday Night Lights because my family is a TV family. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's awesome. Yeah. I always... I ask because I have two dogs myself. I have uh, Maya and Bailey. And so, in fact, my office that I had- My old dog's name was Bailey. The dog we had before Dylan. Oh, Oh, that's awesome. Was it a good dog? Oh, I loved him so much. He was so cute. Oh, see, I have Bailey and Maya and I could show you. So, but my my office that I have here is where I really do a lot of the content. So we're like curation, like, you know, video stuff and podcasts. I actually, in fact, I'm just going to show you. We're just going to go ahead and move. <laughs> nice. And I, I'm always nervous about how, how dirty it might be. But so we've got, well, my back. But see, there goes a dog bed there. And then I have a dog <laughs> bed here. And so I literally will bring them. So my dogs are like, they're here probably 50% of the time. So the office that I, I have there is like, bring dogs. Yeah, I bring them into work. I bring them. I try not to on podcast days because they're usually, they're great dogs, but you know, they'll be, I don't know, somebody will walk by and they'll be like, oh my God, we're being attacked. And they'll start barking and they think like it's a code red situation. And you know, it's a little difficult to have barking dogs and podcasts, but you know, it's the real world. Dylan's a busybody, So if I'm talking or really doing anything and uh, I don't let him see what's going on, that's when he gets loud. So just once I let him plop in my lap, that is once when he'll be quiet and behave. So he's very much part of the team and on calls when I'm at my parents' house or on vacation with them. I can understand that. I I would understand that if I was your dog and at your house and if you didn't let me know what was going (laughs) on in your life that I I would probably be a little overbearing and potentially bother you until you let me, you know, look at your screen or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I have fun and he wants part of it. I mean, right? I mean, who doesn't want to get on the Britney train that's like going so fast (laughs) and we're like the speed of light. So, I mean, that sounds awesome. So now we're going to ask you, this is a little bit of a personal question. We don't have to answer. This is fully being recorded. Do you have any tattoos or anything? I so don't have tattoos. Here's why. There's a lot of things I want to. Mm -hmm. I am just always the unlucky person when it comes to health that I don't actually even know anyone who's gotten a tattoo and something bad happens, but I feel like that's because the world is waiting for me to try. I have just been like the one in a million with a lot of other different things that I'm not going to push my luck. Yeah. So how about this? I'm going to, I'm going to help you out and probably hinder you at the same way in the same time. So I'm probably going to, I'm going to tell you this story and then you're probably going to never get a tattoo, which I don't know if your parents will thank me. And they didn't put me up to this in case they're against tattoos. But the thing for me is I actually got a tattoo in Amsterdam. I only have one tattoo. It's like on my back. It's like a pretty big, it's like a round thing that I got. And so what's funny about the whole situation with my tattoo is that when I got the tattoo, I actually passed out. I like oh literally God. passed out. And so, and this isn't going to help you in your tattoo journey. So you're probably never going to get one because of this podcast right here, but <laughs> I apologize ahead of time, but I was literally getting tattooed in Amsterdam. And so we were in Amsterdam and there was no alcohol, no weed. There was no, nothing involved, right? I want you, so people think, oh, you're probably hindered or something or something. No, like I was literally sober as can be because I was going to get a tattoo. So I go in to get this tattoo and the tattoo guy's on my thing. And what's funny is the guy actually used to be a tattoo artist. I owned a bar in Chico, California, which is a, like a whole nother conversation where Sierra Nevada's from. 
And there was a guy there, a buddy of mine, like, hey, I have a friend of mine that's a tattoo artist in Amsterdam. So it's kind of what pushed me to go do it. So it's like, okay, sounds good. Well, I meet the guy, walked in. I was like, hey, you know, do you, do you know John? And he goes, John, and I go, John, whatever, I get name Smith or something, whatever his name was. And he goes, oh my God, how do you know John? I said, oh, you have a bar. And she goes, oh man, you're going to get a tattoo. So we like, you know, we're like BFFs at this point, right? So here I'm in Amsterdam. The guy's tattooing me. And I go out, like I literally I have two buddies of mine that were watching and they're like, you know, taking pictures. And this was a long time ago. I mean, this was probably 20 years ago. So there was no Instagram. There was no, I like that. But they had, you know, these things that are called cameras that aren't on your phone. It's kind of a new concept. And a lot of people don't know about them now, but they're like a fax or all kind of old. But so they take, they're taking these pictures. Well, my pictures are me being tattooed. Right. And then all of a sudden I like went out, I went out, but I like went up and did some weird convulsion stuff. And this is a terrible story, like some weird convulsion stuff. And I was like out for like 45 seconds. And in my mind, I had like these weird, violent comics. I know this has nothing to do with content, but this is a lot more fun. It's such point. a great story though. Right. And so I like have all these like really violent comics and killings and just weird, weird stuff. And I finally come to, and I'm like, what is going on? And I look over at my friends, Brad and Lloyd that were there and they're like, gee, gee, gee. I mean, they couldn't get any, <laughs> as many pictures as they could. And I like come to, and I'm like, what happened? And, and they're like, Hey dude, you like, you went out and you like bucked out of the chair and did some weird thing. And then you went back down and I'm like, no, I didn't. And they show me the pictures and just like this. Just, and I just lost it. And so the tattoo guy, which is funny about the whole situation is he, he's like, dude, I've never seen anything like that. And I go, well, can we finish the tattoo? And he goes, no, he goes, I got to go get a drink. He goes, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So he literally leaves, goes and drinks. I don't God knows how much to finish my tattoo. Thank God it wasn't like, you know, crazy. <laughs> like, so he goes and has some drinks or a drink or 10 drinks or you know, smokes weed, whatever he does, right? His thing. And then he comes back and finishes my tattoo. So I'm not saying that to scare you by any means, but I will tell you that it was, it was quite, quite the journey for me. And I only have one tattoo. So like I want to, there's all kinds of stuff I want to get. I see sleeves and this awesome stuff and pictures and family, this, and you know, all this and pictures of mom and, you know, but I just haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger to do it. So that, that's my story. Once again, not going to help you in your tattoo journey, but um, it's definitely was one of those crazy, like, and I trying to, I got to talk to my buddies. I got to get those pictures. Cause they were, we were looking at them and they just couldn't stop laughing. And for me, I was like, Oh, this is a terrible documentation of like the weakest point of my life where I like went out after it was like, I had like a, you know, literally that much of a tattoo on my back. It wasn't like it was like a full back sleeve leg tattoo of a dragon or something. It was pretty minimal. That's funny. One of my most embarrassing moments is also on video. And if you're, if you ask me some of the questions you sent over, I think it'll actually come up in conversation later. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. I want to talk content. I like content, but you know, this kind of stuff. And I had, I had one of my past guests was Ava. One of the things that we talked about literally by the end of the conversation, the beginning was marketing and stuff. By the end it was meth. Like we were talking about breaking bad and like not meth, like we were doing meth, but it just, it turned it. So stop a storytelling. So anyway, I just, this is the whole pop point. culture, meth, pop culture, anything it. I can totally jam about forever. Yeah, no, I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. That's <laughs> why I knew this was going to be fun. So tell me about content marketing. Like how did you get into content marketing? Obviously you, you worked at Mention, but like, tell me a little bit about like, how did that journey happen? Like what is the Brittany of journey of, you know, going to college and did this and had fun and almost got married and then you didn't get married and then all of a sudden you went into content marketing or like, what was your journey? Like, how did it happen? So in college, I was studying mass communications and journalism. I actually wanted to be a fashion reporter. I don't even own jeans anymore, and I don't own anything more fancy than jeans either. So that's really funny looking back now, since I'm athleisure queen. But yeah, I wanted to be a fashion reporter, or at least for a fashion magazine. I think I wanted to work more in like the lifestyle writing, which actually does line up with a lot of what I do now. But so I wanted to be a... Uh, I wanted to be a journalist, but then when I took a public relations class, 
for, I think just like fulfilling a requirement for communications or something. I loved it. So then I got more into that and I hadn't really heard of content marketing, but you know, I just actually just kind of studied the perfect stuff for it. I also majored in media design. So I have some graphic design and web design, very, very basic, but you know, enough to be able to bring more to the marketing table. Yeah. And yeah, I had a PR internship that was really just all about writing. As I was trying to get better at that internship, I learned about content and social media marketing. So I ended up coming on board with them afterwards, uh, part-time until I finished college and then full-time. So I kind of started off as a PR intern and then ended up about four years later, the content marketing manager and grew the company's content marketing stuff from this random, you know, company news blog that just announced what trade shows they were going to, to really lead gen focused stuff along with everything else and just kind of built my own career, taught myself through webinars at lunch most days as I went along. And I was actually a customer of Mention while I was there. Well, not paying. So I was a free user of Mention. And so I saw in their newsletter that I, that they were looking for someone and I was looking to move to New York. My boyfriend had actually just moved here and I was already technically on a lease with for an apartment with him here. You know, we had gotten this apartment together, but I didn't have any way of uh, working there. So I saw that come up and I loved the company and it all worked out. That's awesome. So, so boyfriend, let's touch on that real quick. Boyfriend, how long name? What's give, give me a little, little background. Alex and I have been together for 10 years now. Uh, So I met him actually on my 18th birthday as a huge pop culture and rom-com fan. I love that. It's a meet cute. Um, So yeah, so I met him on my birthday and I just had my birthday last week. So it's been 10 years now. Yeah, happy birthday. Thanks. Yeah, so we were living together uh, in Delaware near the town we went to college in and where we met. He's actually from the New York area and I had I would have moved to New York City the day after I graduated, but it actually took a while to convince him to move back to this area. But then ironically, once uh, once I convinced him, he got a job here first and ended up living here for a while without me when I was the one that made him move here. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, cool. So it sounds like oh, that's awesome. 10 years. Congratulations on that. Thanks. So did you, I was doing, obviously we were, you know, we had the team doing a little digging here. Did you write a book, 25 and Selfish? I don't, but I love talking about this because it honestly sounds like something I could have written. I I thought, like, I didn't really, like, I, I was looking at this and I'm like, I wonder if she wrote that or not. I was like, I don't know. And I'm like, the girl in the cover didn't look like you, but a little bit kind of did. I'm like, I don't know. I just got to ask, you know, because it's yeah, like, it, it just is. sounds like something I'd say. It's like, so it sounds yeah. on brand for me. But then honestly, 25 was the year that I was trying to take all these big risks. It was when I moved to New York and started for mention and started my freelance career. And I ended up burning myself out in trying to do and not being selfish enough when I was 25. So I think it's really funny that someone else had a totally different 25th year than me with my same name. And there's also just a lot of Britney Burgers. When I lived in Delaware, there was another Britney Burger who worked in social media marketing. Really? Yeah, we had actually like talked because she had the Twitter handle I wanted and I had the domain name Mm. she wanted. So here's the thing. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of them, but have you ever thought about killing them all so there's only one you or is that too aggressive? (laughs) That might be too aggressive. I think it might be more fun with my personality to change my name, take on a new identity. I'm in the brainstorming stages of a totally new identity. uh, And I'm not going to give you any hints, but just think Mm. about why you've never seen me and Tina Fey in the same room before. 
Oh, I almost feel like we should just stop the podcast right there. Think That's about it. it. Blows my mind. Jeez. She was at content marketing world. I was at inbound. We were not in the same place. Mm, God, it's like Tupac and Biggie kind of, I mean, a little different, but I mean, it's still, it's, there's something definitely going on there. So tell me about, so it's funny. So you, you kind of grind, it's kind of funny. So what did you, so your degree was in mass communication? Yeah. So mass communications, actually double major, uh, and then also professional English or professional writing. Uh, I mean, mm. like it was a subdivision of English. So that was just really a lot of business communication, which was, I feel like great for learning to get to goal oriented and focused writing. And so that was great. I was very, it was very weird. And then I also minored in yeah journalism and interactive media. See, it's funny. So to me, there's some like direct parallel, like with what you were doing, you know, kind of makes sense with your career. Like for me, like, I mean, I got my degree in marketing. It was, you know, just in general marketing and, and business administration. But the, like, what I do now, now I'm older than you. So you're like, you know, you're still a, a young chicken there. But I'm like the old geezer rooster that can barely hear anymore and, you know, like is losing his hair. But my point of telling you that is that, you know, with the, my degree, I mean, I graduated in 2003. Like, I use like 1% of what I learned, you know. I think with what you, what, what you jumped into, there's definitely some parallels there, obviously, with content marketing and stuff like that. Like, I graduated and I was, I always knew that I was going to have my own businesses because I actually had my own businesses before I even went and finished my degree. And so I kind of knew that was going to be the deal. But it's, it's interesting how I, the reason why I bring this up is because you talked about talking, like, like, on, like during your time off or whatever, during your breaks, you would watch webinars and stuff like that. And that's really how I grinded it out was A, through clients, but also through the education, which, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of it. There was some, and I was learning as we went, but I mean, now there's just, you know, as you damn me, there's just, there's a thousand other things. You can go take somebody's course and, you know, learn what somebody spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn in, you know, hours potentially, right. And then implement. So I just think it's an interesting time when it comes to education and stuff like that. So I'm always intrigued by people's background and your background sounds like you were, you know, you jumped into a space that was obviously used, you know, the writing side of your, that side of your brain and everything. And for me, it was just, there just wasn't, you know, entrepreneurship. There was one course, the class that I took in college. And it was just a very basic course of like, Hey, you want to open your, and everybody in the class just thought they want to open a restaurant. And then so they can go golf full time. You know, it's like, I just want to open a restaurant and make tons of money so I can go travel. It's like, Ooh, and I'd already been an entrepreneur at that point. I'm like, ah, that's not how it works at all. Yeah. I never planned on being an entrepreneur. I honestly didn't even fully understand what it meant until I think I maybe already was one because it was, I was very accidental of just looking at it as monetizing a blog for that I ran for fun. And I, so I think I became one before I really even understood the definition, but I knew I, from a young age that I, whatever I did would involve writing. I never really wanted yeah. to be like an author or write books, yeah. but I knew that I liked words and yeah. talking and communicating. Yeah. Well, even though awesome. I'm such an introvert. <laughs> Are you an introvert? Oh, totally. But I think that it actually makes sense. Like I am that I'm not necessarily shy, but I'm an introvert because when I do go socialize and I'm on a call or I'm talking to people, I'm super animated and I'm outgoing yeah. and I'm loud. That takes a lot of energy. So I feel like it makes a lot of sense that I get very drained from socializing and have to go alone to recharge. That's interesting because I think it's, I don't know, that's interesting because, you know, you, you look at this thing of like, because we think that, you know, especially because you have a very bubbly personality, right? So, or at least what, what we see, right? So I think, yeah. which is awesome. And so it's interesting how you, like, you have to like, you're, you think of yourself as an introvert because I would almost like, not knowing you, we've talked a few times and stuff, and but it's one of those, I would never imagine that. Like my wife is an example, says she's an outgoing introvert. Yeah. Right. And I, I argue with them. I'm like, that's not even possible. But it sounds like you might be kind of in that category. 
Yeah, I very much look at introverts in terms of how socializing affects their body and their energy more than how much Mm -hmm. they like it. Uh, So like, I'm not, I don't consider myself antisocial. I'm totally not. I love people, but I feel like because I'm so bubbly and because I'm so excited when I'm talking to people, it it wears me out and it drains me. And so I can only be on like this for maybe like a few hours a day. And then I'm like, all right, peace. I'm gonna go nap. I could totally understand that because that you're you're a different energy level, right? I'm I'm kind of the same way because I'm always animated. I'm always like I'm just always you know, especially if, if I had to do like three interviews in a day or something like that, or if I'm at a, a convention and I'm let's say I'm speaking or or speaking is not too too bad, but if I'm like actually have a product and I have you know I'm there for ten hours, I mean by the end of the day it's like I want to like lay down on the hard cement, you know? It just it it does it takes a lot, of, you know, because I think we're that next level of animation and energy and stuff like that, and I could totally understand that. Like I am definitely there are days where I just go, man, I just talked way too much today, and people probably think, God, Shane talked way too much today, you know? So it's you know it's kind of that thing. I I have a class at UCLA and that I teach like a personal branding and how to be an influencer course. And I feel bad for the students because it, it's a three hour course. Like I, I teach it from 6.30 to 9.30. And that's a long time to talk. And as much as I'd like to think that I'm, you know, somewhat good looking and that I'm somewhat funny and that I somewhat have good things to say, three hours. I mean, I don't care if you have Brad. And actually, let me take it back. Brad Pitt's in front of you for three hours. We probably have a higher attention span than Shane Barker. But my point is, is it's just, it's a long time, man. And after the class, and I have speakers and stuff that come in, but after the class, I just like, man, I'm so drained because it's just, you're on, you know, and it's just boom, 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 boom. So, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy it, but it definitely is, it definitely, you know, sucks the energy out of you. I know. Like when you just like look at it objectively, like half of my conversations literally involve either singing or dancing or enough arm movements to constitute a cardio workout. Of course, I cannot do that all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, there's not too many people that can, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, okay, cool. So that's awesome. So I, I'm, I think we're on the same page when it comes to energy and levels and everything like that. So how did you, you know, cause obviously you have the name of the chief content unicorn. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Was that a, was that your God given name? Was that your parents? <laughs> with that? Or I feel like that maybe a friend, um, a friend came up with that. We were just talking one day about how she could, there was a, a post that went live and I forget it was a guest post, but it didn't have like very prominent byline, but she, she totally guessed. And she messaged me one day. She was like, did you write this? And I was like, yeah, how could you tell? And she was like, well, it just sounded like a unicorn wrote it. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I love that. And so yeah, she was just like, I could just tell from the voice that that was you. And I just really loved that. I felt like that was kind of the moment that I realized my differentiator in B2B content marketing. And I love unicorns. And so I I took that from her and I ran with it. That's a good company. So, you know, do you know Larry Kim? I do. Yeah. He's also a unicorn fan. Yes, I know. Yeah. Have you guys thought about doing maybe a unicorn club or something like that or a Slack group that has to be <laughs> That would be amazing. Or... Yeah. And Nicole Demere also loves unicorns. And she ah, Nicole. Yes. Yeah, Nicole, has a, Nicole has a great unicorn community. She does. She's Actually, she does. It's funny. I'm actually part of her community. That's right. Oh, I forgot yeah. it. it has the little unicorn. I thought about that on my Slack. It does. Absolutely. So that's good. So it's good that you guys are, the unicorn thing is strong that you guys are breeding and obviously starting Slack groups and stuff. So that's really Lisa exciting. Frank would be so proud. I know, right? Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, so the work brighter, right? So is this, this is your new project you got going on? So yeah, how do you I mean, create it? Like, give me some, give me some intel here. It's new, but it's not so new. It's new as a business. But actually, I started it originally as a newsletter shortly after starting at Mention. Like I said, that was 
a move that really inspired me and brought out the entrepreneurial spirit in me. I started having all these different side project ideas and stuff like that. And so yeah, it started off as just a weekly productivity newsletter, mostly around productivity tech and planning and stuff like that. It was actually called Work Smarter at the very beginning when I was still kind of finding, again, my differentiator uh, that, Mm. you know, unicorn spirit. Yeah, uh, working smarter. Then I just I've had over the course of uh, being diagnosed with some chronic health issues and learning how to balance a really ambitious career with that and with that limited energy have just really moved away from the a lot of the traditional productivity advice and work smarter advice that's really centered on hustle and doing as much as possible and stuff like that. And so I kind of say I moved from working smarter to working brighter and just uh, being really focused on I don't love the term optimizing my life since that sounds so kind of just like scientific and like hacky and life hackery, which is again, what I kind of moved away from and just, I'm just always in search of doing things to make them as fun and as simple and as easy for me as possible and sharing that with other people. So yeah, so it was a three year long newsletter and it was never really meant to be a big thing. It was originally just kind of meant as a way to show freelance clients, look how I build an audience from scratch. I'm not just doing things for my day job where I'm working with already established companies. So it was kind of like, kind of originally meant as a portfolio thing, but then winded up becoming this something just so much bigger than my freelance career. And so over the past year, uh, I was working with a coach originally for my freelance content stuff. And we were talking about the work writer stuff and looking at the numbers. Um, I've also released like some online courses and workbooks and stuff under that umbrella over the year, over the years, but again, never really considered it a business and never really considered myself an entrepreneur. But I was working with my coach and she helped me realize that uh, I was actually making as much from that side of things as my services, that that was totally where um, long-term a lot of my big visions are and kind of what I'm working for. And so I'm starting to turn it into its own business and its own website, kind of a combination of a media company and a community. So how did you, there's two things I want to touch on. First of all, I want to talk about the coach thing because I think that's always interesting. Um, and then I also want to touch on, well, let's talk about the coach thing. Let's talk about that. So how did you, because I've always, you know, this was, and I've talked about this actually in one of my past episodes about one of the things, there was a question that was asked me, this was a few weeks ago at Entreport when I was there. Landon, who's the, the founder, asked me like, what would you, you know, a younger Shane, what would you tell a younger Shane, right? Something different. And I'll tell you coaching or the fact of having a mentor or something is something that I think I really missed out on. Not that I didn't have people that I would talk to on occasion, but I always kind of felt like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, you know, I'm a grown ass man and I can take this on, right? I don't need to ask questions or have a coach, but I'm really intrigued by that. And I really wish I would have had more of that. What was your experience with that? Because it sounds like you had some good, because I, I think I, there's, I think it's invaluable, right? I don't care what the amount of money is. To me, it's like to help them, to help you, you know, if, if it can cut off a year, two years or three years of your life cycle of, or getting into place to where you're, you're, you're you know, being successful. I think that's, that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about the coaching side of things. Sure thing. So I was working with her earlier this year to just get together a business plan plan, a formal business plan, originally just for BrittanyBurger.com and my content marketing services. But she helped me realize how much was possible with WorkWriter and really helped with my mindset. I've always been really, really into personal development. So I actually met her through a paid community I was a part of Mm -hmm. uh, in 2017. 
Uh, So it was just for different female creative entrepreneurs. And the community was a pretty large one, large enough that it involved in-person masterminds. Mm. And so she actually led the masterminds for the group of us here in New York City. And so I met her through that. She was helping me informally through that and just as a friend for a lot of the toughest decisions that I've made, like deciding to leave my day job to focus on my health and run my business full time, which again was something that I never really aspired to. It was something that I did because I realized I have these issues. I have these issues with my health and my life and going full time can solve them. Um, And so she was one of the people that helped me through that. And so then when it was time to hire a coach and a strategist officially, it was a no-brainer that I would just pay whatever her prices were. That's awesome. Well, I think that's really cool. I think, once again, it's, I've thought about that recently about hiring a coach. I mean, because for me, even though I think the same as you, is we, we understand a lot about the industry and this, that, and the other. But to me, there's just always, I think it's something that I've learned over the years is that when I hire people on my team to very, to hire very specific on what they do, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, the person that can do everything is one thing, but the person that can do a landing page or just writes a copy or, you know, back in the day, I would get somebody that can do it all in, in theory, never probably anything too good. But I think it's the, the thing with the coach is that helps you kind of like define where you want to take your, where you want to do things at, right? And it helps kind of clarify things and helps you on that path. So I think that's awesome that you did that. I, that's that's something I'm, I'm probably going to explore here pretty soon just because I always feel there's always more to learn, right? There's always, I mean, somebody's life experiences, everybody has their own life experience. And I think tapping into that is just extremely valuable. Yeah. It was like, I had spent a lot of time taking like courses around like marketing for entrepreneurship and stuff like that. And just like different other areas. Um, and, you know, again, hiring people. But then when I kind of realized that what I needed the most help with was being like being the leader, being the CEO, growing my team in more strategic ways when I do so. Like right I, right now, it's just me on an ongoing basis, but I hire things out from time to time. And I'm hoping to have someone ongoing by the end of the year. Yeah. And so it just, she just really helped me be a business owner and entrepreneur that I needed to be and create plans. And just, it was yeah. so great. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. That's good to hear. I, I like to hear those kind of stories because it's, I think that I can't encourage that enough because once again, I grinded it out and didn't do a coach. And I wish that I would have when I was younger, when I was, you know, my younger years when I first started. And I wish that I would have had a mentor or a coach or, you know, that. I mean, I do mentoring now for other people's startups and stuff for free because I want to help them out. I want them to miss some of the things, learn from me what I've done. And I wish, I wish younger Shane would have found the older Shane. I mean, I had one guy that was, that helped me with some stuff, but I just think it's, I don't think you can have enough of those coaches assuming that you can afford them, you know, right. Ongoing, but that's awesome. So when we talk about, you're talking about obviously your new project and stuff. So that sounds super awesome. Let's talk about like content a little more like in regards to like repurposing content. So what are their like, what would you recommend? Because there's, there's one thing, obviously, there's one thing to put out a great piece of content, right? It's like super awesome. But there's the other thing about the repurposing of it or also distribution of it. Like, what are some of the things that you do, A, for yourself and, and for your clients in regards to distribution or the repurposing of a piece that you write or something like that? Sure. So the number one thing that I like to keep in mind and that I definitely teach people when I'm coaching them and teaching them around repurposing is that it's not about trying to put your content in as many places as possible. I feel like a lot of times repurposing content is viewed as something as just trying to get people's attention and just putting out content and getting it into as many places as possible. It doesn't need to be used that way. So instead of just trying to look at it as that, 
I really just like to think of it as part of the regular content marketing process. And when I have goals for content marketing, instead of thinking, okay, what do I need to create to meet these goals? I first say, okay, what content do I already have that could potentially meet these goals? What could I do with that? And then what needs to be created in addition to that? So I repurpose kind of on an as-needed basis, but in a way that's built into my content marketing strategy from the start. So as an example of something that I do for myself is that uh, last year I launched a YouTube channel and I knew that it wasn't, I wouldn't have the energy to kind of create videos every week for the ongoing future or put out tons of videos like other people do. So instead, what I focused on doing was doing, um, I did a three-month sprint of creating these weekly videos. I made them very foundational to the stuff that I talk about, content marketing, uh, repurposing content. And then there's a little bit about email marketing and marketing automation in there too, since a lot of what I help clients with is actually less repurposing content in more public places to get more attention, but actually using marketing automation to use content they already have to nurture leads. So I have about just 20 videos there that I put out weekly, and then I stopped creating new videos. And I've pretty much just been repurposing that content for the nine months since doing different blog posts, whether for my own blog, or I also write guest posts for other people that often embed to or link back to the blog, the videos, I mean. I do a lot of that. I've broken them up into shorter videos to grow a Facebook page and other social media channels for myself. I have built evergreen automated email sequences so that when someone signs up for my list, they get like my sales funnel for one of my ongoing workshops, ongoing on-demand trainings. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then after that, they start getting just some of my other really great content just to kind of... I don't have time to write a weekly newsletter for that business since email marketing is a really core part of WorkWriter since it started out as a newsletter. Uh, So instead, I kind of have uh, automations working for me. That's all just repurposed content. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of, I just created that foundational stuff that I needed. I covered the topics that I needed to cover. And now instead of just talking about the same thing over and over again, I'm just using that content in different ways. Yeah, why not? So when you, when you do like automation and stuff like that, do you write all those emails or do you have somebody that you work with? Or what about the setting up the automation? Is that something you do as well? It depends. I have hired when I say I like hire people project based. Um, a bunch of the times it has been I've written the content in a Google Doc and I did not feel like putting it into my own ConvertKit account. So I have hired help with that before. Um, my most recent sequence that I wrote that is one that I'm doing myself. Just since now I'm kind of saving up and trying not to do a lot of project based work in order to save up for someone more ongoing. So yeah, both ways. I am pretty good with technology. Like I said in the early days of Workwriter, it was actually really technology focused, and I've just always loved tech and. I love teaching myself the ins and outs of every app. So I kind of tend to be become a power user of whatever tool that I use. So you I go all in. You go all in. Huh? I like it. Yeah. My mom has always said that I have two interest levels, disinterested or obsessed. And that's very <laughs> accurate in my career as well. Yeah. It's so funny. So I'm the same. I mean, obviously, I think we have some of the, the same personality traits. I'm the same way. Like when I go all in on something, it's like you just have to move out of the way. Like I'm literally going <laughs> all in. It's not. But once again, if, I can, it's, if I'm not interested, you'll know really fast. I'm not a like, oh, let me try to hold on. I'll just, I'll tell you, this is not, not for me. It's not. Even with clients that come to me, like if I'm not interested or, or it's not a good fit for me, like I'll tell them fast. And they're like, well, don't you want to get some more information? I'm like, no, it's just not a good fit. Like I, I'm okay. Like it's just not. Or I'm telling a client, they're like, hey, I'm a shoe charger. I'm like, money's not the issue right now. Let's, let's talk about your projects. I'm excited about it, right? It's like, I want to know more about it. And you can, obviously you can hear it in my voice, whether I'm like, oh, nah, you know, or yeah, hey, sounds good. Let's talk a little further about this. 
Yeah. So I tell you, I have to be impressed with, okay, so with the amount of content you put out and all that kind of stuff, I'm kind of blows me away that you're a one person team with outsourcing some stuff and to help out. How do you, what's the work life balance? Cause you've also kind of touched on, you've got some, some potential health issues and we don't need to get into that if you don't want to, obviously that's up to you, but tell me how you do it. I mean, it seems like you, you've, I mean, cause obviously that work life balance and you did say at one point you were really burnt out, which, you know, there was a point in my life, this was a different business that I had at 130 employees and I was a hundred and no, 200, I don't know, 30, almost 200. 30 pounds. So I was probably 20, 25 pounds heavier than I am now and wasn't working out. I was eating cupcakes, not really, but just eating really bad and just a very unhealthy life. And I've done things to change that now, but I've done that because I have a team. And so I delegate. And so I don't have to deal with as much. What have you done differently? Like, what are we like? I feel like a mom, like, what have you done to, to make it healthier, Brittany? But like, what, like, give us your work-life balance. Like, what are you working on there? So I think it is, as I, as I said before, I've moved away from the phrase working smarter, but that really is what it's about. I just try not to focus just on working. I focus a lot on life too. So I know that um, a lot of my best work moments and developments will come from things outside of my business. So I go for walks after all of my dance classes. Since whenever I get out of a dance class, I'm just super inspired. So I actually go for a walk with voice voice memos open on my computer or on my phone so that I can take notes of any ideas. So I do know that I well, I've learned this the hard way though, that the best thing that you can do for your job and for your work is to step away from it. And just again, the hard way and through lots of doing it wrong, I have learned my body limits and my brain's limits with that. Yeah. It did take some really, really serious flare-ups of what I now realize was a chronic illness, but at the time didn't. And so that whole diagnosis process, I was also just very driven and stubborn and refused to pull it from any of my side projects while I was going through the whole diagnosis and constant flare-ups and burnout. So even like at my most burnt out moment, I was super, super, super overextended and overworked, but no one was overworking me because it was just my own. It was like hobbies. Um, So I was at the time... I was working full-time for Mention. I was just starting to do freelance writing. I was starting Work Writer. And at the time back then, I also had a romance book review blog that was actually kind of, um, I was actually kind of a thought leader in the book blogger and book publishing space. So I was actually like traveling to conferences in the publishing industry and like speaking and stuff like that. And I didn't see the need to back off from any of that. Even when I was going to the hospital, like more than once a month, it just, I don't know why it didn't add up thinking back now. Like that sounds so stupid to say like, oh, I didn't realize that going to the hospital once a month and traveling once a month did not (laughs) correlation there. Yeah. Yeah. It took me so long to realize, but because I was so focused on the hustle. Yeah. And I I think, you know, it's someone's and there's a lot of parallels with you and I, there is that thing that you don't see for me, there's not an off button, right? And it was really hard to have that off button because for me, it was just, you work harder, not necessarily for more money. I mean, sometimes it could have been, but mainly it was just because I wanted to do more stuff. Like I was just, I like what I was doing. I like what I was working on. I like where my career was going. I like the direction I was going in. And with my other business that I talked about when I was heavier, I was just, a, it was a really, really stressful business. I had nothing to do, had something to do with marketing, but it was in the real estate space. And it was a long time ago. Anyways, it was a pretty crazy deal, but I had 130 employees. And so it was, you know, I learned a lot through that whole process. And I, it just, you know, you, and I would just never do that again. I mean, I was working at that time, probably 18 hours a day. 
and that would include weekends, you know, and that was, uh, that was a deal where, you know, I didn't see my son as much as I wanted to. I didn't see my wife as much. Like I'm, I'm to this day question why my wife's still with me, not in a bad way. I wasn't like abusive or an alcoholic or anything, but it was just like, I was so fixated on work. She'd be like, Hey, can we do this? And I'm like, I'm working. Like, you know, I'm working like, well, obviously that's all you're doing at this point. And so it was, I was very, very fixated on it, making great money. But the problem, what I realized, and this is when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to be a millionaire by a certain point. And that was my goal because I was money driven. And then it's like, when you get to a certain point, I just wasn't, that wasn't, that's not my goal these days. Like with clients, I don't, I look at client and like, am I excited about the project? It has nothing, money is a factor, but it's not my number one factor, right? So I look at things and go, is this going to be fun? Am I going to enjoy doing this? If I'm not, then really, I don't care how much money they want to offer me, you know, unless it's millions, which if you have millions and please reach out to me still, we can still work something out in the middle. But, you know, for the most part, it's not right. I mean, I want it to be enjoyable. I want it to be something where I enjoy working on it. And so I think that's just what I've learned over the years. I mean, like I said, in the beginning, when I was younger, I would take on any project. If you had a dollar or no dollars or a thousand dollars, a million dollars, I would take it all on and just I'll figure it out and I'll do it. And who cares? You know, I'll just crush it and figure it out. And now I've learned through, I'm going to say through wisdom, which is a strong term here that, you know, it's like delegation and how do I have that more work-life balance, which I think for somebody like yourself and myself where I'm very motivated and always want, you know, I'm not a big fan of second place. I'm not competitive. I like to be able to do stuff. I want to go out there. I'm also very open about what I do. Like in the sense, like if you said, Hey Shane, how are you making money? I would tell you and I would give you the equation and I would write it down. I'd say, Hey, go do this. Like I'm not shy about the way that I do things. Cause it's like, there's, even though I'm very competitive, I also don't have a problem. I like lifting people up around me as well. So I think it's something that, you know, that I've always been that way. And I don't know, it's just one of those things that life work balance is always tricky. Cause I know if there's any listening right now and you're working too many hours there's you know you can either you know work smarter or brighter right I think brighter is probably more important than smarter at this point right so I mean I I don't know I just think that's the deal is it's it's important to have that because you you know my company that when I was telling you about there was a point where my mom actually came to me and told me there was a point where that company got shut down and this is a this is a whole nother podcast like I literally probably should write a book about what Mm -hmm. happened to me this was like 10 years it was a pretty pretty crazy story crazier than the tattoo story tattoo was like for a small amount of time and it just had some pictures. This was like a business I had for a long time. But um, the you know, my mom actually said, I'm actually glad that your business got shut down because I feel like if you wouldn't have, you would have had a heart attack and died. And I was like, oh, I mean, that coming from your mom, you know? And I was like, man, like it kind of tears me up just even talking about it right now because it was like, wow, it's kind of crazy, you know? So anyways, that's life, right? We, we, we grow and we, we, you know, kind of, we go past there and now we figure out how to do things, like I said, smarter, even brighter, so. Awesome. So tell me about, so you also do your, your, are you a fitness instructor or you just do, or dance or like, what do you, I know you got some other stuff going on there. What else is going on? I'm actually in transition. I'm getting ready to teach my first class teaching, uh, featuring my own choreography right now by the time. So by the time this podcast airs, I probably will have taught a class. Uh, but yeah, I've been dancing my whole life. I did teach back when I was a teenager. I taught little, little kids, but I haven't taught in a while. I actually had to, I stopped, I've had three ankle reconstructions. So it was pretty decided that I was never gonna dance again. I was told that so many times. But when I moved to New York, I just loved being surrounded by the musical theater, the performing arts, the culture. Then I found this one studio that's it's really more focused on dance fitness. It's not like the pirouettes and big leaps that I did in competitions growing up and the stuff yeah. that my doctor said no to. Yeah. Uh, it is just, it's such a great community uh, called Broadway Bodies. It's so, and it's just, it's really just kind of a, a body comp confidence and mindset community. It's just changed my life in so many ways other than exercise. Like I said, it makes me so creative. It 
has made me so much more confident in my business and about my body, about so many things. And it's just been a really great place to just change my life. And so I'm trying to uh, get more involved. I've done some of their um, some of their performances, like we've done a recital, and I'm very involved in the whole community. And yeah, a week from tomorrow, I'm teaching my first class to shoot by Salt and Peppa. What man, yeah. good old Salt and Pepper. That's that's a little flashback right there. A little what was it? Salt and Pepper and um, what's her name? Spin Spinderella. Wasn't it Spinderella? Yes. Look at me, huh? Who knew? Wow. Who knew that Shane was a salt and pepper fan? That's right. Mark that down. They're amazing. They're just so talented. Yeah, so many great are. hits. And the studio has done classes to push it a few times. Since that's kind of like their biggest dance hit. But yeah. I've always wanted to dance to shoot. So that's awesome. Well, that's good. We're looking forward to seeing some kind of Instagram story on that or some kind of. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, cool. So what about, so are you, and, and do you do, so it sounds, what's cool about, I think what you got going on there is it, it puts in the dance, it puts in fitness. And I think what you touched on is that it also helps you from a creativity standpoint. And there was something you talked about earlier about walking and I had a, a traumatic event happen about two months ago. I'm not going to heavy go into that because I feel like I have this like traumatic Shane of like, oh, this stuff that's happened to Shane in his life. I feel like I'm extremely lucky to, just so if, if anybody's getting any, any other vibe other than that. But I, um, I used to walk and run quite a bit and I've had an, an issue with the leg recently on the situation. But What's funny about it is I just was looking at my Fitbit. I've done 27 million steps <laughs> like in like three years. I mean, I used to like, I used to do, so we talk about being either I'm not working out or I'm going crazy. I was doing an average of like 20,000 steps a day, which is about 10 miles a day. So yeah, I know. So when we talk about, like I said, I'm either all in or I'm not all in, like my Fitbit thing was like crazy. Like I have a Fitbit on right now, even though I can't like, go too far. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's it. So, <laughs> but it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, I, what I'm, the reason I'm telling you that is cause I really miss that side of it because I used to love, I did the same thing. I didn't do audio, but I would take some notes and stuff like that. And I, I can't tell you how many times I almost fell on my face. Cause I was trying <laughs> to notes and not looking ahead and, you know, almost got hit by a few cars, but, but I survived. So here we are. But, but it is, I really do. I think that's when we talked about a balance of whether you work out, whether you dance, whether you do, you know, dance and fitness, whether you walked, whether you run, whether you, you have to have that. I think that's in Google kind of, and there's some other companies that say, Hey, listen, go take an hour for yourself, go do whatever. And I think that's important. I think a lot of people miss out on that is the importance of doing something else. Like once you get sucked into the matrix, you can, you know, the thing is, is my thing is like, well, you know, I can't go work out because I've got, you know, I've got work to do. Well, no ish. You always have work to yeah. do, right? I mean, there's never, it's, that's never going to go away. So don't use that. Like there'll always be something more to do. Like there'll never be a day that I come in and I look at my to-do list and talk to my team and I go, you know what? I don't think we have anything to work on today, guys. I mean, they would all lose their minds. Like you'd be kidding me. So for me, it's like, you have to realize that I can promise you that if you go do your dance thing for an hour and a half and you come back, the work will be there waiting for you. I promise you. Exactly. Like, and I'll be in a better place to do it. A thousand times better, right? In in a better mindset and everything's going to be better. It's like, you know, I've had create, you know, we've all had situations where you get really stressed out about something and it's like, just step away from it. You know, yeah, and there is, yeah. And there is science that has been proven as to like how much our brains can do in a day or a week before it starts like reaching the point of uh, limiting returns or whatever that phrase is called, where basically it goes kaput and it starts getting worse. 
And yeah. so do you want to keep working at that rate where it just, your work keeps getting worse and less effective, or do you want to go off and recharge? Um, so I don't, I'm like such a meme person, but there are two memes that have actually really stuck with me. And one around self-care, one was that uh, you can't go at more than a hundred percent. So if you are working at 150%, that's actually a 50% loan from future you. And you've like got to make up the difference and pay it back sometime. So you're, you know, you're borrowing energy from future you. Uh, it's not just like unlimited. You're going to be more tired later. And then another one was that we are so obsessed with recharging our phones every night for like eight hours or, you know, how much time do we spend obsessing over our phone's battery? What if we were that obsessed over our own energy and yeah. we were that good about recharging ourselves? Yeah, I think that I think it's phenomenal. I've never, I haven't heard that before, but it, it makes total sense when you say it, right? I mean, I, my phone, I'm like, you know, it's over the top. Like I've, I've, yeah, we all freak out if it gets into the red zone below fine. 20%, but then we work ourselves down to like 2%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go fall asleep at the keyboard or something and be like, no, yeah. it makes sense. No, I always like to rest my head on a keyboard. And <laughs> when I wake up, my back feels amazing. Yeah, I think, and I think that was kind of nice to, to talk about that because I think that is a, a huge issue. And what I guess the thing is, it's not an issue for me as much anymore. I have a, a lot better balance. And obviously it sounds like you do too, yeah. um, which is, it's just needed. And I think- but I think most of us that have reached it the hard way. And so that's what yeah. I want to help reduce with Work Brighter. Well, and that's the thing is that you- we've reached that. And the way, the reason why we have our stories is because we did burn out and right. And the yeah. people that are listening to this that haven't hit that yet, either A, you're going to listen to us and say, Hey, maybe I need to change something or they're just going to go burn out. Right. I mean, cause that's, yeah. there's somebody, there's some people that they, they get that aha moment. They go, okay, listen to that. Okay. Now that makes sense. I have two people that at a certain point burnt out and now we're doing things brighter, right. Or smarter or whatever. Right. But then you have the other person that says, you know what, those, you know, Shane and Brittany just, they sounded kind of weak. Like they were <laughs> eight, eight hours a day, you know, there's, you could probably do 20, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you're going to be able to hold that pace for, for so long. And there's going to be a point just it mentally, it, it might not be your head. It might be your body or it might be your body or it might be your head. Like it's the thing is, is the, something is going to give, right? There's going to be a point where you have to, you have to, you just have to have that, that, that work-life balance. And so that wasn't really the reason why I wanted to chat with you <laughs> or talk about my tattoos or anything crazy like that. But I think that is an important thing, especially because you've had some stuff with chronic illness. And I just had some stuff recently where, like I said, still feel really blessed in life and still feel very fortunate with my team that I have and what we're able to do in life. But it's just crazy, you know, it's kind of crazy how this whole thing, this whole, this whole life thing works out, you know? Yeah. And I mean, one in five people in America at least has either a, a mental or chronic illness. And especially with mental illness, the rate is so much higher for entrepreneurs and people in startups. And I think it's because the same uh, things that are kind of responsible for certain mental illnesses, I feel like those same personality traits are what make us want to go work at a startup or work in a high stakes career. And so it's really important to learn that about yourself and learn how to manage it. Yeah. I think that's an important point. So let's talk a little bit about more about content. Cause I know that yeah. was like, people are going to, they're going to be like, what <laughs> about Shane and Courtney and they seem like, or Shane and Brittany and they seem like awesome people, but so tell us about oh, content marketing. So like, what would be like, like if I, what are some tools like you can't live without? Like if I said, Hey, I was doing an expert roundup and said, Hey, tell me three tools that, that are in your content. Was it tool chest? And then what would you, what would be those three tools that you would, that you would, you can't live without? I love Airtable for just everything, planning, getting thoughts out, organizing ideas, as well as like editorial calendars, just project management. It's so flexible and it can do so much. So I've, um, 
I feel like I used to use tons of different tools and a lot of that has just moved into Airtable over the past year or two. Um, and I'm definitely, I like to call myself a digital minimalist, use as few tools and apps and stuff as possible and just keep it simple. And Airtable has been great with that. So I love that tool. I also love Go Schedule in terms of marketing project management. I love project management and just organization and planning. I love to geek out on that stuff. And yeah, so I think that they're really great for that and really just focusing on marketing processes. Uh, they have great calendar features that make managing editorial calendars for multiple channels and social media profiles really, really easy. And their requeue feature is great since I, you know, I've talked about how I love automation and repurposing. So their ability to work that into your social media calendar is awesome. I love notebooks, physical notebooks. I don't think that any digital will ever be able to replace that. Again, I like to dig into productivity science and read studies and a lot of stuff. It's just like a lot of brain stuff happens faster when we're writing versus typing. So almost all of my content starts off on paper still. I have an outline. I have my own little finicky writing process and it always starts off with a certain type of outline on paper and then I build it out in Google Docs. That's awesome. Have you ever used like, and I know it's always so hard because I'm kind of the same way. Like I have, you know, I have all the fun softwares, but then I have the post-it notes everywhere and this and that. And I still have to write down my to-do list, even though I can have it on my screen too. So have you ever like tried Evernote, like where you can write it and then it goes directly into Evernote? It's just not the same. I mean, is it when you tell me? Yeah, it's not the same for me because for me, it's the acts of writing and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's like the hand motion. And I read up on it and it's like literal proven science that I'm not going to argue with. I'm just going to enjoy getting to buy a bunch of cute notebooks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So while, you know, I definitely think that once your business or job gets to a point, a certain point, you can't just do things on paper anymore, you know, so I do have project management stuff built out for further into the future in Airtable and Asana and stuff like that. But then I just also everything always starts on paper. That's where I think things out. That's where also uh, I think the physical act of writing something down every day, like my to do list or my highest priority to do list is at least the part that I write down. It's so important because like, once I start working, I navigate away from the digital to-do list open to my actual work. And so it's really easy to be like out of sight, out of mind. But by writing something down and also having that planner sitting next to me, it's like a physical reminder of like, hey, Brittany, here's what you're supposed to be doing. What's that Facebook tab right there? Yeah. It's funny. So I've never, this is, so Airtable is something that's always been really intriguing to me because my team uses, we use, um, we use Slack and obviously we use Trillo and then we use Google Drive Docs. Um, and so it's funny. So Airtable, every time I've probably watched the video a thousand times and I just keep looking at it, it seems so awesome to me. I feel like it's, it's just like not open source, but I mean in the sense that it's like, there's so much functionality to it. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think how my team would make that transition. So what would you, like, do you use, do you use Google Drive Doc and that? So is that mainly just for your project management type? of things or like what do you use Airtable for? Yeah, so I use that for basically anything I would normally use a Trello board or a Google spreadsheet or also a lot of Evernote notes for. Um, so I do still use Evernote for some stuff like brainstorming and things like that. But in terms of like my official system and the things that like team members get access to when they're working with me, it's 
just pretty much all kept in Airtable these days. And yeah, I am, I'm just a big nerd. Uh, and I like the ability to basically build your own dashboards in there as opposed to Evernote and Trello. They're amazing tools and they're, you know, it's not that they didn't work. It was just that, again, I like being able to do everything in one place. I like being able to build and really customize my own dashboard and project management system from the ground up. That's awesome. Yeah, I might have to, I might pick your brain a little bit, a little bit about that because I've, I've been intrigued, but I love the, I just love, it looks like the capability of it, you know, but it's also, yeah, you know right. how it is. Like anything else, it's like making that transition. From, yeah, it's a big, it's a big move. Yeah, it is. Well, and if it was just me, I have a 31 person team. So, <laughs> so, you know, but that doesn't mean it can't happen, right? Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't ever want to be the company that's too big that we can't pivot to do something that's better. I, I always want to, you know, make those processes better and, and improve. So, and that's one that's been, it literally has been on my, I've talked to a few of my, my team about it and we've, oh yeah, it sounds good. And I'm like, okay, I might, I might be one step closer because of this conversation, <laughs> jumping on it and checking it out for sure. So I think we're getting down to the end of this, this little podcast here. So I'm going to ask you, what is the weirdest thing that's happened to you personally that you can share, obviously? And what is the weirdest thing that's happened to you from like a, in your business life? Like, in, I mean, I, and maybe there's not something in your business life that's happened that's too weird, but is there anything that's like, like people would go, like, you're like, oh, there's just one time that this happened. And there doesn't, if there isn't anything that's cool too, I just, I'm just trying to think of, you know, I don't want to try to keep this a little more exciting with the podcast stuff. I don't know about like weird. I know embarrassing, like... On the topic of dance, uh, my mom, I've been dancing since I was a year and a half years old. And um, so we actually lied about how potty trained I was when I first started dancing. Uh, You were supposed to be, you know, you weren't supposed to go into class until you were potty trained. And I was a year and a half, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I was not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the spring recital came around and I was up on stage and it's all of this is on video because my mom was, or so it was the dress rehearsal and my mom was videoing and she was so distracted trying to like use the camcorder that she didn't notice that I was on stage. I had stopped dancing and I was going like, mom, mommy. And then all of a sudden you see me run off and then you see the studio director run on with a mop. Oh, so that happened. <laughs> so that was, was that, tra- was that traumatic? Do you, I mean, you obviously, you remember that like it was yesterday? I don't remember it exactly okay. so much as I, re- I watched the video and I danced at that same studio my whole life until I was yeah. 18. And so yeah. they never let me live it down. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the director holding them up was, you know, I saw her every day my whole life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember it more through retellings of other people, but yeah, so that, that's the thing. Um, I feel like that's part of the reason why, despite being an introvert, I have no problem going on stage or doing webinars because I've already peed my pants on stage. How much yeah. worse could I do? That's, I mean, that's half the battle. Like once I've, I've never peed on a webinar, but if I do, <laughs> I make sure to reach out to you for support because I think you've already been through something somewhat similar, obviously at a very younger age. I'm, <laughs> I'm 43 and you were a year and a half. So I don't know if there's going to be too many parallels there, but I, I understand the struggle is real. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So just, I can't say no to any like stage or performance opportunities because the worst has already happened. Yeah. Yeah. You've already got that out of the way. That's good. That's good. Oh, I also, one time it was, I started dancing again too soon after an ankle surgery and everyone was really nervous about whether my ankle would make it through the recital or not. And it did. And so we celebrated. And then when I went out to take my bow during uh, finale, I went down and I ended up having surgery again a week later. Oh man. (laughs) So I made it through so much dancing, but it was the walking that did me in. 
It's always a thing. That's the thing now, like for me, like if, if I'm my, if I have an issue with my back, it's like, it's because I like used my leg to move my shoes or something. And it'd be like the lightest thing possible, but yet I can go to CrossFit and, you know, deadlift 200 pounds or something. Like it's a weird. Yeah, I pulled a like, muscle sneezing once. Have you ever done that? I have. I have. Yeah, it sucks. It's, well, it's just, and you're not old. I mean, I'm saying older, like you have some connection that we don't because but we don't. No, I've like, I have got the health issues that I'm honestly like, I have arthritis, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, but you're going to make it through all that. I'm not, you, you, you've got yeah, this. But my body is so much older than the years it's been on earth for. <laughs> Like, I have old That's people right. problems already. That's all right. You'll get through it. As you do, the unicorns will always unite and, and always survive. Unicorns have been around for millions oh, of yeah. years. They've always been fine. So, uh, More like so, dinosaurs. Yeah, totally. But except they survived. Hello. Oh, yeah. We're smarter than dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah they, they, exactly. So, Brittany, okay, so if anybody needs to get in contact with the Miss Brittany, how do we go about doing that? I'm pretty much on all of the social media pretty frequently. My handle is thatbberg. And, yeah, you can also check out my website at brittanyberger.com. Awesome. And then what about the other one? What about Work Brighter? Oh, Work Brighter. Yeah, you can check that out at yeah. workbrighter.co. Uh, no, so- no dedicated social media for that yet. But maybe by the time you hear this, there will be. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, Brandy, you have an awesome, awesome, awesome night. Thank you for everything. Thanks for doing the interview. And I'm sure we'll be in contact soon. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much All for right. having me. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.